it's always awkward starting a podcast out. I don't know, like, mm-hmm. what he is. So here we go. I hit record. I'm sitting back <laughs> Thursday after July 4th, drinking a couple beers. Yes, sir. Tell us who in the world are you? Yeah, so um, I'm Russell Carter. Um, we own and operate Carter's Honeybees out in Auburn, Indiana. Uh, so we uh, run an operation roughly of about 400 hives currently. 400. 400. That's yep. you and your wife to do this? That's 100% me. It's all you. Um, She's on the kid and you are doing the bees. If if she heard you say that, she would laugh. <laughs> I, think, I think the last time she was in a bee suit, I kid you not, was maybe six years ago. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, she... She, she works full-time as well, so, I mean, it's no big deal, but, yeah. It's, what does your wife do? Uh, she works for a company in town. Uh, they, they manufacture electric motors. Uh, it's Regal Belate over yeah. on uh, Lima and Cook. And I just, so. I mean, we had a weird realization. I went to high school with your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. It I think we crazy. Were, we met you. So, she was, uh, she was born in Leo. Yeah. Right? So, that's where she grew up. So, the minute we started talking about Leo, I heard my wife's voice in the background <laughs> saying, Ask them where, who they know and <laughs> where they went to school and like all this stuff. It's like, geez, Louise. I mean, if my wife meets anybody in the that Leo area at all, it's like, who's your parents? Who's your brothers and sisters? It's like, I, I, I'm from Fort Wayne, right? So I went to a high school much, much bigger than Leo. I never ask anybody those questions because it's like, I don't know anybody. Right. So it's a little different. Well, my graduating class in Leo was less than 100 people. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think we were ninety-seven. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I do. I think he. I, it's weird because if she sees somebody from high school that she, um, remembers, right, and there's not very many of them, so it's like you, you're you know everybody. Yeah. She's like, I I feel guilty if I don't say hi, even <laughs> even if they, even if they purposely looked away or like you know it's been. She's still going over she there. She will go over there because she's like that's the person she is, and she's like I'm gonna keep connections with people and things like that. I went to my graduation and I saw people I have never seen before. <laughs> that is true. I'm like, who are these people? You know, it's like, oh, that was your classmate. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're graduates. Like I, in four years, I've never seen you. So, <laughs> what year did you graduate? 2000. And what? When did you get into bees? So the bees was uh, so my my grandpa was in bees, right? So he mm. had he had bees growing up and stuff like that. They lived up in New York, so they were actually dairy farmers. But he also had, he also kept bees. So I've been around bees since you know I was a little kid. But my wife and I traveled. I knew I always wanted to get into bees. I didn't know at what level. But bees were always an interesting thing, an interesting thing to me. I would watch them and things like that. So it was always interesting. So I knew I wanted to get involved in it, mm-hmm. but I never knew it to what level. And and really, my life path took a different way from bees. I was in banking for a while. Um, I ran retail stores. I've done a lot of different things. Uh, so we moved around a lot. So we moved to, we lived in Fort Lauderdale for a while. We lived in Nashville for a while. Uh, we lived in an RV and just traveled around the world, uh, around the country for about eight months. Holy smokes. So we did a lot of different things early on in our life. It wasn't until about seven years ago, we, we bought this pl- uh, place in Auburn that I said, I'm going to get some bees. Like, let me, let me bring that back into my life. So it was really about seven or eight years ago that we started with just a handful of hives and then grew, grew, grew. And really this year, actually, and I was working full time doing this, uh, doing bees on the side, really. Yeah. And it wasn't until this year that we grew to the point where I couldn't do both. 
right? And you it, got rid of the day job. <clears throat> got rid of the day job, yeah, for sure. So we looked at, you know, how much time do I have in a day mm-hmm. and having a, a relatively new new kid, he's 16 months now. So it's like, where's the priorities here? If you're gonna if you're gonna make a go at this, you know, now is the time, or you need to give it up or scale way back. Because, you know, I would get home from work and then I would go out and work the bees until nine, ten o'clock at night. Yep. Every not, night. Then not we, doable. Then weekends, every single weekend dedicated to the bees. So and I did that for about four or five years as I grew. So now this year, finally to the point, my wife and I just had a conversation like, hey, what do you want to do here? Either I, I mean, I, I'm burnt out. I can't do both. And she's like, you got to try. She's like, you can always go back to work. If, if it doesn't work for some reason, you can always go back to work. But you're not going to have the same opportunity you have right now. We have the number of hives that we need and we're continuing to grow every year. Um, and uh, it, it's been good. It's been fun. Is it working? It's totally working. It's it is. It's. So before the, the you guys can't see it, but he's smiling from ear to ear. Yeah, this is good. Before we before we uh, started the podcast here, we were talking real real you know quickly about just the, what is the business like? What right people think about? Okay, so cool. You own you own four hundred types. Like, what does that mean? Like, what do you do with them? Right? And there is way more to the business than just making honey, right? And that's what I think most people gravitate towards. Is that oh you own you own honeybees you must you know it must get into honey which we certainly do and we sell a lot of honey every year, but over half of our business is actually um, selling bees uh-huh. to people that are interested in beekeeping. So about eight or nine years ago, the city of Fort Wayne actually passed an ordinance that anyone inside the city limits can actually have up to two beehives in their backyard. Well, okay. So I think, you know, homeowner restrictions and stuff like that might overrule some of that I've heard. Um, but we, I, I know so many customers and we, we sell people bees that are just literally in the middle of the city, like living in housing and divisions and stuff like that. that just have bees in their backyard. Do you educate them on how to extract honey and all that? Yeah, for sure. So I think that is, <clears throat> that is the one thing that we do better than anybody uh. is we help you make you we basically try to help you be successful right so it's it's funny because when i first when i when we first moved back we were living in nashville and then we moved back to auburn right we bought this house in auburn and i was like the first summer i was there i was like i'm getting some bees like let's just get this going i'm gonna you know get some bees again um the guy that i bought the bees from and i'm not gonna say who it was but the guy i bought it from i literally went to pick him up and He's laying under a tree. I don't even know if I should tell the story. He's literally <laughs> laying under the tree, and I'm like, I get out of my truck, and I'm like, hey, um, is this is this blank bee company? Like, I'm here to pick up some bees. He's like, yeah, they're in the garage. Just go pick some out. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world? So I go in this garage, and there's just bees, packages of bees, like, everywhere, all over the place. And I can hear him still under the tree. He's, like, yelling at me. He's like, just pick one. You got it, and you're good to go. And, I, and I'm like, you know, oh, I, I had some questions, you know, and he looked annoyed, like, oh, jeez, you know, he's got some questions for me, you know, and I was just asking, I wanted to know where he got the bees and just different things like that, because where you get your bees does matter. So why does it matter? Can, so there are, there's a lot of, lot behind if you have bees that are acclimated to your certain area. Okay. Okay. So you're not going to, like a bee... A beehive from like Maine, I'm using 
wild examples, but a beehive from like Maine is not going to do well in Arizona. Mm. Okay. So they're going to have a hard time uh, acclimatizing basically to that environment. Okay. So I was just curious where he got the bees from and he didn't want to answer any questions at all. And uh, I, I lived in Nashville you know, in, in Florida for the last couple of years before that. So I'm just asking him like, Hey, like, how do you overwin your bees? And I said, do you even like have bees here? Like, where can we, like, where do you, where are you keeping your bees at? I think he had like maybe five or 10 hives and what you do in that situation, like he's, he's basically buying bees from a Southern yeah, state he's a middleman. and he's just shipping them up. Yep, exactly. So he didn't really, he wasn't very forthcoming with information and you know, maybe it's because he didn't know how to like guide somebody. You were his worst nightmare. Probably asking questions. I think so. And his wife actually came out and said, answer his questions. And she was kind of giving a hard time. But, <laughs> but I left there. And so I, I have some big experience in, the, in my past, right? So I left there thinking, man, if I ever start a business, I'm going to do the exact opposite of that guy, mm-hmm. right? And that is exactly what we do. I mean, if you go, if you go on Google and just Google who we are, look at our Google reviews, Right. So every single person out there, we, we have nothing but five stars and every single person on there is like, could not be more helpful. Literally will pick up the call. Anytime I call him, he's always available to answer questions like that. So we're trying to do the exact opposite of the experience that I got like eight years ago. So, and your business website is what? It's uh, cartershoneybees.com. Okay. Yeah, so, so I could get on that website right now yeah. and order bees and, and get them rolling. Yeah. So actually, as I was driving over here, I had a guy text me. He's like, hey, do you have bees for sale? So what it, we, st- we actually are sold out this year. So it's kind of, it's kind of um, it goes against what you would think, right? So we actually open ordering in October. Mm. Okay, so if you're interested in getting be- in, started in beekeeping, right, in October, you could jump on our website and actually place an order for bees. Those bees would be available for pickup next spring. Gotcha. Okay, so... Um, and we sell out every year. Um, and you know, so what we actually brought bees over to your house, right? Yep. So, and it got delayed, uh, by about a full month because we kept selling bees and we kept opening, ordering back up and things uh-huh. like that. And we had actually sold out three times. And I, I, every time I checked my bees, I'm like, okay, we can make another round. We can do another round. So what are you doing? You're checking the hives, making sure they're healthy, making sure 100%. they're growing. That's yep. Exactly. So you have a mathematical equation. You're like, okay, I can only sell this percentage of my bees. Yeah, it's kind of, so I, I will always, I, I will always err on the side of safety. Like I'm never going to Yeah, over, you don't want to cut yourself too thin. Yeah, exactly. So I'll never oversell and jeopardize the bees health or anything like that. So I'll, I'll, I'll just, on the website, I'll just mark it up, you know, sold out. And then when I actually do an inspection, as I'm going through our hives, I'm like, oh, wow, we actually have some really good strength here. Like, and we kind of quantify strength as how many frames of eggs am I seeing? How, how healthy is a queen? Is she laying eggs? Are they bringing in nectar? Um, at what pace are they bringing in nectar? Like the more nectar they get brought in, the more eggs you're going to have because that queen is trying to capture that amount of nectar. And the only way she can do that is by laying eggs, right? So those eggs will hatch and go collect the nectar, right? So if you have mm-hmm. a really good nectar flow coming in, you're going to have a lot more eggs. So we'll be just checking our hives and things like that and say, Okay, yep, we're looking really good. Either we're going to go straight into honey production or do we have demand for people that want to get into beekeeping still? If so, we can actually make some splits here and basically make new beehives and then sell that. So was there a, um, 
was there an ethical reason on why you got into these bees or was it all business? I mean, definitely I've always been interested in bees, right? So because you know what I'm getting at, like a lot yeah. of people are saying the bees are dying. We got to save the yeah. bees. The bees pollinate are like, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, on yeah. that spectrum. So I, you know, we can talk about that. Let me answer your question though. So I didn't necessarily get into bees. Like I wasn't on a mission to save the world. Right. Okay. So, I mean, that's just it. I, I enjoy bees. That's what I, that's why I started it. I just enjoy working with bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I don't, but most of the time <laughs> I do. Uh, I mean, actually, I, it, there are days where I will get stung 50 times. Yeah. You know, it's like... And you were at my house. I mean, I got stung at your house at least 30 times. <laughs> so that's a story right there. But <laughs> it wasn't a very easy place to get them to. No. And I, yeah, so... We're going to get that leveled we'll, we'll out get, for you next time. <laughs> no, it's all good. I told my wife, I was like, I'm going backwards down this hill on the tractor with forks and beehives. And it's not smooth. It's bumpy. <laughs> so I was like, oh, geez. So, all right, so... With the, um, yeah, so I got into bees because I just enjoy them, right? The added benefit, obviously, in the back of my mind, and everybody knows, is that they are absolute crucial to everything we do. Our food chain, pollination, I mean, it's, it's it, it, you have to have the bees, mm-hmm. right? But that's not the reason. I wasn't, like, buying a beehive because I was like, I'm doing my part mentality, right? right? So then it just, then the passion for it really just grew. The more I got into it, uh, I, you know, just grew my number of hives every year, then kind of realizing that at that point, all I was doing was selling honey, uh-huh. right? So there, I wasn't selling you bees. You weren't selling bees to anybody yet. Wasn't even thinking in my mind. Now, again, I was working full time. So um, I wasn't thinking at all, I'm going to turn this into a business. At least early on, I did not have that thought. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I got a cool hobby here. Let me just jump up to 30 hives real quick. Just make as much honey as I can. Let's sell it and just have fun with it. Then as we really started growing, um, I got more and more and more requests to actually sell bees. Like, hey, do you have bees for sale? Well, it's a brilliant. I didn't ever even thought about that as part of your business model, but yeah. that that's probably where you grow this thing big time. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So we don't even advertise. We we do the only advertising we do is actually on Facebook, right? Uh-huh. Which is really, I, it is advertising. Don't get me wrong, but it's like the it's like, I don't know, fake advertising or something like that. It's just like a yeah. plug out there, you know, people scrolling, whatever, and see it. But, you know, we're, we would actually, we're actually probably going to get into some commercials and some radio stuff this year, but. Um, maybe a podcast. Maybe a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with that, like the, the bee part of it, like when we put our name out there that we sell bees, our, the first year that we did that, we sold out in like early December. Mm. Okay, so it was like super fast. I'm like, oh my god! You gosh. sold out in a month. Yeah, two months. Two months. Two months. We were sold out, and it was like, man, I need more bees. Like, if that, if it, that's when the wheels started going for me, is like, man, if I can, if we can grow here, um, I could, we could really turn this into something big. And so now this year, after this is our going into our eighth year, it's like, okay, like here we go. And on average, people are buying how many hives from you at a time? Um, boy, I would say average two. Okay. So, um, but we have customers that'll buy 30, you know, the, like it, if you own an orchard, for example. Yeah. Right. So like there's a couple of guys that we have up in Michigan and Northern Indiana that buy bees from us every year and they own orchards. Um, if, if somebody has a really big garden, I'm talking like maybe like an acre or something like that, and they're growing vegetables for sale, 
Right. They'll buy maybe five. Right. Uh, but if you're just getting into backyard beekeeping and you just want to experiment and, and beekeepers of all kinds, I mean, there is no typical beekeeper. Okay. So like I have doctors, lawyers, um, retired folks down to just, I mean, anybody, right. So that's just every, anyone and anybody's interested in beekeeping. And that's what I get that, that, that question asked a lot is, who are these beekeepers? And it's the like, most diverse bunch I, you can find. I couldn't, you cannot over exaggerate that. I mean, it is the most diverse, the conversations that I have with people <laughs> about bees and why they're getting into bees and things like that. It's, it just runs the entire spectrum of anything and everything. That's got to make it fun. It is really interesting. Yeah, exactly. So like when, when we do our pickups in the spring, everybody comes out to our farm and they'll pick up their bees from us. We run everything by appointment because we actually want to spend time with each and every customer, right? Mm-hmm. And answer any questions they have, make sure they're getting set up correctly, make sure they get off to a good start and things like that, right? So in in doing that, those uh, those conversations that we have with these customers, there's some interesting ones. <laughs> I mean, for sure. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's it, I go into, I, I go after, I'll tell my wife, Mike, I just had this crazy conversation, you know, it's just like, and it just depends on who you're talking to and what angle they're working and what they're doing the bees for and stuff like that. And it's just like, man, this is a fun job. What's one of the weirdest things you've heard? Oh, oh boy. Uh, okay. So I had a lady, I had, boy, I almost don't want to tell the story. I had a lady call me. I'm not obviously saying names, so it's probably fine, I guess, but she called me and she's like, Hey, I want to buy some bees from you. I said, okay, cool. So we went, you know, start talking. What do you have? Do you have any equipment? Where, where are we starting from? Stuff like that. Um, and she's like, well, I'll just, let me just cut to the chase. I just actually want bees because I just want to get stung. Like I heard, uh, yeah, I just, I've heard, you know, through social media and just different things like that, that there is a therapy out there that if you get stung, you're going to, you know, it cures all this stuff. And I, I stopped it right there. I said, listen, I'm a beekeeper. Okay. I'm not a doctor. Cause she was asking my opinion on that. And I'm like, I can't, I cannot vouch for any of this. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to tell you anything. Cause I, first off, I have heard of what you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. it's crossed my desk, but like, I won't, I won't say <laughs> yes, it's going to work or no, it's not going to work. I'm just, you're I'm not totally, advertising a I'm miracle totally, cure for, uh, yeah, it's totally neutral on that. Okay. So like, so she's like, okay, I respect that. And she's like, well, I want to buy bees. And she's like, actually, can I just buy like 10 bees from you? Like, I just want like 10 bees because I just want to sting myself. And I'm like, I said, ma'am, <laughs> this is, a, this is a, that's an odd request. <laughs> and she's like, um, she's like, I know, I know. She's like, I'll actually pay like full price for the bees, you know, if I can just, you know, and I'll just come get them. But you just give me 10, but I'll still pay full price. And I said, I, I, I have a, a moral issue with what we're doing. I said, I will give you 10 bees. Like, I don't, I won't even charge you for this, but like, I'll give you 10 bees if this is something that you're passionate about. And truth be told, I think she had cancer. Uh So she didn't come out and say it, but she was definitely alluding to that, that she had a very specific spot in her body that she wanted to get stung and stuff like that. So I think that's where it was going. So I certainly wasn't going to turn her away and just say no. Right. I'm what's 10 bees. I can give you 10 bees. Right. So some people are listening to this podcast might think, you're going to just kill them, you know, and, and there are definitely folks out there and there's nothing wrong with it, but there's folks out there that are like, I will save one bee. I will, I will go to the ends of the earth to save one bee. Right. And I totally respect that. 
Uh, it's just not where my mind is at. Like, you know, but you as a, someone who works intimately with bees, yeah. you know that and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. the hive is kind of like an organism and, and bees sacrifice themselves all the time. Oh, they, for they sure. come and that's what the queen oh, does. For sure. That's the way they're designed. A hundred percent. I mean, there is no, there is no eye in a bee in a beehive, right? right? They will do anything and everything for the good of the colony and stuff like that. So even, even dropping bees off at your house. I mean, I got stung 30 times. There was those bees dead. Yeah. You know, they die after you, you get stung. So they were in their minds protecting the co- the hive, even though I was just moving them. But um, so killing a bee, I, while I, I'm not advocating around smashing bees just for no reason, it happens, right? Of course. So the lady was that was kind of a side rant, but so the lady was you know wanting these ten bees, and I was going to give them to her. Then she called up the day she was supposed to come get them, and she's like, "Is your wife home?" And I oh, said, gosh, I, the I story's said, getting weirder. I said, yeah, she's home. I, I thought maybe she didn't want to meet me, but it's just a guy. Gotcha. woman. Th- I'm like, safety thing. I'm like, hey, no problem. So she's like, hey, is your wife home? I was like, yeah, she is. Uh, she's like, okay, great. I'm going to come over. Uh, where where exactly can, can she help me sting myself at? Oh, boy. So <laughs> she wanted my wife to, like, I, come in our house, I guess, and in you know, a bathroom maybe, I guess, and, like, she wanted my wife to sting her. And, and I said, I got to stop you. Like, that is never going to happen. Like, I don't even need to run that by her. Like, I, I will give you these bees in a container. What you do with them after that is on you. <laughs> so I, you can't. We're not going to help you sting yourself. You know, so she ended up not coming over like she I don't know if she just got cold feet or what, but she just never I had a little 10 bees in a jar for her. I was going to give her and <laughs> I, I let them go at the end of the day. She never came over. But um, and I, God only knows where this was that she wanted to get stung. Like it was I, I can't imagine she wanted my wife to help her sting herself in her arm or something. Right? I bet you a thousand dollars. It is not her arm. Right. Exactly. So. I, I told my wife after we hung up, I said, you're never going to believe the conversation I just had. And she's like, <laughs> I said, she wants you to help her sting her, like help you. She wants you to help her sting herself. And my wife's just laughing. She's like, I hope to God you said no. And I'm like, oh, of course. Like, come on now. <laughs> so when I was uh, in college at chiropractic school, there was a naturopathic doctor there. He was a resident. Uh, he was treating PTSD patients with honeybees. Is that right? Sting? Yeah. So he's, an ac- so he's an acupathic doctor and an acupuncturist. Yep. And so he was using acupuncture points. And instead of using needles, he was using bee stings. Very interesting. And he was very successful. Yeah. So, again, there is probably s- some serious validity to what they're doing. Yeah. I'm just not the guy to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just a beekeeper, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and you know where she wanted to be stung. You know it. I had I have an idea, so I don't know. It was just interesting stuff like that. And then we, you know, kind of in that same vein, right? We get we get um, customers coming to us about raw honey because that's what we sell. We sell raw honey that's never been heated and everything else. So everything that's good in the honey is still there. And we get questions all the time, like, "Hey, is this going to cure this? Is this going to help this?" And you know, the studies of raw honey and the benefits of raw honey are just endless, right? It, there's no there's no debating what you know what the benefits of raw honey are mm-hmm. and stuff like that to the body from digestion to um you know everything just ridiculous amount of stuff stuff out there but i'm not the guy that's gonna say oh yeah that'll heal that right you know what i mean i'll never tell anybody that 
I assume the one you get the most is seasonal allergies, right? That's the one I get the most. Like, hey, if I take this honey, will my allergies go away? Every single day, I get that question. Almost every single day. What's your response? That that I will I will say yes because I do that personally. Mm. Okay, so I local honey. Yeah, local honey. Yeah, local pollen. It has to be local pollen. Yep, that's exactly right. So the same pollen that the bees are bringing back into the hive that are causing your allergies, that like micro doses basically yep. are transfer into this raw honey. So if you're taking that every day, you're basically micro dosing on pollen that's causing your allergies to help build up an immunity to it. You know, that's that I think that's unequivocal, unequivocal that that works. That's how medicine works. Yeah. Like uh, there's a, one of my favorite quotes is uh, everything is a medicine and everything is a poison. It depends on the dose. That's interesting. And I never heard that. There's obviously some cracks in there because <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> what the dose is of, uh, of I don't know, plutonium that's going to be yeah, uh, right. medicinal. <laughs> but you get the concept around it. Yeah, right, exactly. And we do a lot of that stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I walked in. I saw the uh, I saw like the the supplement section, and you got to produce and stuff like that yep. out there. So, yeah, definitely. I, I knew immediately you were you were one of the a believer in that. You know what's good for you and stuff like that. And our office is has really significantly changed. I was just thinking about it because we I was in a double wide trailer on Lima Road. It was just me and one other employee. Wow. I I was just thinking about it because Mindy, one of the one of my employees, she's been with me the longest. She takes all of our laundry because we have four massage therapists, so we do go through a lot of laundry. Sure. And I used to be the guy who took the laundry. I took the laundry. I mowed the grass. It was just kind of fun to, to sit back and look at. Oh my goodness! Oh, I, how could you not be proud of that? It's it's I pretty mean, cool. I know the podcast listeners cannot. Most of them probably know who you are and been yeah. here, but the building is fantastic. I mean, <laughs> Thank like you. It, coming from that, yes, and I, and I did not know that until you just told me that. Coming from that to this. You got to be proud. Yeah, it, I mean, that's awesome, man. We have been severely blessed. And uh, I say it all the time, but COVID, COVID did us a real kindness in our office. Mm, interesting. Um, I'll try to not to toot my own horn too much here, but really the doctor's um, lack of courage is what actually breathed fire into us. I'm not sure it was really me doing anything that special, but interesting. I just wasn't scared of seeing sick people. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I, I kind of said no early to a lot of the st- things that we look back on it and go, well, that was kind of stupid. Why did we do that? <laughs> I was kind of saying that from the beginning. And so yeah. I, th- a lot of people found during a very anxious, a very stressful time, they could come into our office and have like some anti-anxiety in a, bu- in a business. Yes. And especially a medical business during I actually, COVID. I'm not even kidding. I, so this is the first time I've been to your office. This is. Right? So I walked in, I sat down, and I just was looking around, and it was like, man, it is peaceful in here. <laughs> Thank you I'm for not, saying that. I'm not joking. I literally had that thought in my head. I was like, it is peaceful. I would literally just come in here just to hang out if I could. You know what I mean? It was just like this. There was some light music in the background. It smells really good in here. It's just quiet. It's very neutral. I was like, man, this is nice. I just said, because we, <laughs> we hired a new doctor, uh, Dr. Spencer, and his, today was his first day. Okay. 
and we were talking about it because um, he just wants to know, like, what are the rules of play around here? Am sure. I allowed to drink coffee in my treatment room when I'm with a patient? And I'm like, yes, sure. yes. Sure. From my experience, when doctor's offices take themselves really seriously, it only increases the anxiety yeah. around everything, the yeah. stiffness, the, I'm, I don't want to be here. Yeah, you're and, just a number. Right. So I don't wear a white coat. I don't yeah. have one hanging on the back of the door. I got you. I remember during COVID, I went to a, a school board meeting and I stood up and talked and introduced myself as a doctor. And I was the doctor on one side of the aisle and the doctors <laughs> on the other side were all, they were in full gear, man. They had the, they had the white coat down to the knees. They might've even been wearing gloves. They, they had their degrees. They, like they, yes, they brought their degrees. They brought a degree and, and hung it on the wall <laughs> temporarily to speak. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, well, Back to the the honey, because I want to get into yeah. um, the process on on how you do everything. Because sure, sure. the reason we got into farming was because we couldn't trust the quality of the food in the grocery store. Yes. And we really understand that the quality of what you put in your body matters. And yeah. it will either be slightly medicinal or it will be slightly toxic. Sure. And so what do you do with your honey because i know that there are manufacturers that heat it too high they yeah. add certain things to it exactly um i i don't know a ton about honey but i tried yep. to do some research before you came on <laughs> trying That's to fair. figure out so i That's learned fair. that honeybees uh pollinate all of the almonds in the world i didn't yeah. know that honeybees have yeah, yeah. They, they've got the market exclusive on all the almonds it's crazy so yeah a couple a couple things just popped into my head right there but yeah on the almond point right so like you can the, that is big business if you're going to be a commercial beekeeper one of the ways uh you can do that and be really successful is by shipping bees you, you take them yeah you take them out there yourself it's not like you just ship them and somebody else takes care of them you have to meet them out there right but and pollinate the almond fields of California. And I don't know if you've ever driven out there from like San Francisco down to yeah. LA. Uh, it is literally just miles, tens to 30, hundred miles of just or, of, of almond orchards. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think last year they needed about 2.2 million hives Whoa. to be shipped out there and they pay really, really good money. Right. I mean, it's, it was like last year, I think it was like 220, $230 per hive that they would pay you to just sit your bees there for six weeks. Okay? For six weeks. Six weeks. As soon as the almond buds come on, the bees get to work. They're bringing in nectar, pollen from the almonds, whatever. And then as soon as the, as soon as the budding is over, it's like the farmers will release you and say, all right, come get your bees. Let's go. And then, so your six weeks, they'll cut you a check and you're, you're good to go. See you later. So, it, I made that sound very easy, but it's not, it's not that easy, but it, it, but that's basically the gist of it. So that's the almond stuff. But so going back to the food and kind of the honey thing, right. I actually had a conversation with your brother when I was dropping bees off the other day about organic certified organic uh, right. stuff that you get in the store. Uh -huh. And his, his comment to me was, yeah, we, uh, we really don't, we really don't even almost trust the USDA organic certification anymore. Like, nope. and I, I laughed because we just went through that process on our own farm last year. Really? So we grow, um, we grow a couple acres of elderberry. Okay. Um, and we were growing every year. So I just planted another acre and a half of elderberry this year. So that's, that's, that's another big thing for us. But, um, 
we, we knew we wanted to be certified organic for the elderberries. Okay. So it was to make elderberry syrup. Yep. hundred percent. So, um, when we did that, so we started the process of becoming organic, right? And we've always followed organic principles, right? We don't, we never spray, we never do anything like that, right? So we knew what it, we, we knew we just needed that certification kind mm-hmm. of to add some validity, at least in our eyes, we wanted to add some validity to the product and things like that that we're selling. But when going through that process, it was like, okay, so it's, it's a lot of paperwork, right? But it's, yeah. if you get through that, it's like, is that is it that easy? Really? Like it's that easy to get US organic certification here? So you were you had higher standards for yourself oh than gosh. they do. Caleb, I thought they were gonna say, like, hey, we need to you know, do a you know, maybe a quarterly inspection uh-huh. for two years, making sure you're adhering to these practices and things like that. And I thought they were going to do a thorough inspection. I was fully ready for them to do a full inspection of our, 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 our place that we're storing, like just any kind of implement we have, or like, it just like, do you see any chemicals? I mean, like I was ready for them to be looking for stuff like that. And it was the easiest process I have, it was too easy for me. I'm like, man, this is, it made me, it made me doubt. And my wife and I had this again, when he left, the guy that inspector, when he left, I thought if it's that easy to get certified, the organic, just imagine these like huge corporations that are doing organic stuff. It's like, I don't trust that for anything. Well, they know that consumers are looking for that. So that's yeah. going to generate a, a market. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I, I, <clears throat> It's really, really hard for me to almost trust anything yeah. um, in, in the food industry that I don't have a personal relationship with. Yeah. Oh, I totally get it. If, you, if, if eating organically, and, and that is important to you, I couldn't agree more with that statement of like, if you don't know where your food comes from, seriously, then that you might as well just not even buy it. Spend the money on organic. Right. Because it's like, it's, you don't know. So to really drive this home. So we already had elderberries planted. Okay. So we had about two acres planted when the guy did the inspection. So, um, he came out and he's just asking us questions. He's like, so have you ever sprayed? I'm like, no, no, we don't spray whatever. And he's like, well, okay, well, how do you, how do you combat weeds? And I'm like, well, we use organic uh, mulch and stuff like that, that we've aged for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. I, I have a giant pile of <laughs> mulch that's aging right now. My wife was like, would you please do something with that? Right. <laughs> but like, it's there. Right. So I said, this is how we do it. Um, and he's like, oh, how do you, how do you do like pest control? And I'm like, well, like the main pest for, um, the main pest for um, elderberry is the Japanese beetle, which uh-huh. we're currently fighting big time right now. And I say literally every night. I go, I walk every row, my wife and I, and sometimes we'll have the neighbor kids come up, but like the, uh, every row we will take soapy buckets and we will knock uh, Japanese beetles off our plants into the buckets. And he's like, okay, great. And I mean, literally I you do it by hand. Yeah. And that's it. And we, we set out traps too. I mean, right. The baited, like the scented traps, sure. stuff like that. And we catch them in mass. I mean, literally I just changed the bags this morning and on my way over here, it's been less than six hours the bags are like half full. Ugh. There's that many. How big beetles. are these bags? Uh, I mean, they're, I would say the, uh, what they can hold is like a sandwich Ziploc bag. Uh-huh. And there's like, they're half full And we're talking six hours. So there's that many Japanese beetles. So you really have to get on them early and trap them, whatever. So 
that's a whole nother story. But the point was the guy is just asking questions and I, I could have been just lying out of my teeth to this guy. Yep. And he's like, check. got it. Check Bart. You know, it's just like, and I'm like, it's that easy. And I'm like, well, so when are you coming back? Like when I just want to know, like, you know, for inspection purposes, like how often should I be expecting you? Things like that. Uh, and he's like, oh, you won't see me until next year. Mm. And it's just like, like <laughs> that's the process. <laughs> and unless somebody has some integrity. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Nope. They're not going to follow any of those and guidelines. I, and I thought to myself, if I was like a bigger corporation that didn't care about what I was actually producing and it was just like about the money, cut the right, corner. It would be so easy to just go out. It would it's much easier to do it the the non-organic way. Of course it is. So it's like why if if nobody is checking you and you're and you're in it for the money, I, you're going to be cutting corners. Yeah. So it, it was just interesting. So And so what's the process that you Okay. So yeah. how how do I phrase it? What makes your honey quality better than the other guy's honey? What are you doing? So Let's 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 make a distinction between me and the other guy. Okay. Yeah, because I want you to talk about the even the um, I don't know if I should say lying, but the labeling, right? So somebody oh. will say this is local honey, and you're like, "Well, oh, yeah, you bottled it locally, <laughs> but it was made in California." Yeah, exactly. Like I want you to get into that kind yeah. of boo hockey. So let's let's make a distinction here because somebody that has um, producing local raw honey and they're selling it at your farmer's markets. Um, they're selling it at like wellness centers, different things. Like that. If you know where it's coming from and you understand the source of it, then all that are honeys are created equal on that level. Okay. Right. So there's a, there's a couple other beekeepers in town that like on a, on a larger scale, right? My honey is not better than their honey. Okay. Because I know their process as well. Okay. And, and literally so there's other guys doing it right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. The the process is this. You, when the honey is ready to be extracted, okay, you know, you all, everybody sees them out in fields and stuff like that. They're just boxes stacked vertically, uh-huh. right? So <clears throat> generally the top three or four boxes, those are the ones that contain the honey. The bottom two boxes are generally where the queens live and like that's where all the eggs are being laid, stuff like that. So we'll just come and pull off the top couple boxes and we'll take it back to our place. And all the, 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 this is the process. We literally take what's called the wax capping. Yeah. When the honey is ready to be harvested, the bees will actually cap it with a wax capping over the honey. Okay. So the cells are no longer um, accessible. Okay. So you have to take a heated knife or just, there's a couple different ways you can do it, but you take a heated knife and actually remove that wax capping. So now you're exposing the honey that's in the cells. What do you do with the wax? We'll just keep it. Discard it? No, no, no. We melt it down and we'll just, it's at at that point, it's just pure beeswax. Uh So you just melt it. You can make candles, lip balms. I mean, we sell it generally. We'll just sell beeswax. But, um, so then from there, you take this now decapped frame and then we'll take it over to an extractor. It's a centrifugal force extractor, right? So you just load it up. Ours is a 64 frame extractor. So we'll just put them in there. You turn it on and it just spins it at super high speeds and it flings the honey out uh, into the tank and then it will drain into a stainless steel container that we have, right? So that's the process. And literally from there, it goes right into a bottle. Uh. 
Okay, so that is it. I mean, you don't heat it up. You don't. Nope. There's no heating. There's no heating. So now I will add to that. Initially, right when you first do this, it goes straight into a bottle, right? So if you if you you know came by in August or whatever, September, October, November, we're just pulling it out of that bottle into a separate bottling tank, and then we'll just you know we'll, we'll bottle it from there. Raw honey. As a lot of people will know, raw honey has the distinction that it will crystallize eventually, right? It generally takes, depending on the sugar content, it generally takes between three and six months for a, for a bottle of honey to crystallize, mm-hmm. okay? Does not mean it's bad. It's literally just the formation of sugar crystals in your honey. Um, still edible. 100%. Still. Yeah, 100%. It, it's a lot harder to eat when it's crystallized, so most people will want it liquefied again, mm-hmm. okay? So the science behind that is... Don't heat your honey. If it if it does crystallize, don't get it hotter than 105 degrees. Okay. Okay. And and it, it trust me, it gets hotter than that inside the beehive. Oh. Okay. So heating it to 105 degrees, it is still considered raw. Yeah, because the vibration of the bees heats that thing One, up. 100. percent So yesterday it was 92 degrees outside. The humidity was off the charts. In every single one of our beehives, it was hotter than 105 degrees. So when you go to reheat your honey, as long as you're yes. keeping it under 105, you're not denaturing any of 100%. the product. 100. So we will we will set we have a bottling tank that's a double jacketed. Um, it's got a water on the inside, right? So we'll heat that to 100 degrees, and we let it decrystallize if it crystallizes in our tank. Gotcha. Right. So as long as you're doing that, and we get that question all the time, like, well, how do I how do I reheat this? And then you hear like people like, oh, I put it in the microwave. I'm like, oh. Don't do that. <laughs> Trust me, I, you are really, really limiting the nutritional value of the good stuff that's in honey when you put it, when you boil it in a microwave. So, literally, I just I just tell people like you know put it in a bot put it in a bowl with like lukewarm water, like hundred degree water, and just let it sit, and uh-huh. it, it will it will liquefy again after like an hour or so. So, that's the process. I mean, it's it couldn't be more simple than that. So. And most beekeepers that that you're going to get at the farmer's markets, I can't say all, but because I don't know everybody, but like most of them do it that way. Okay. So it's, it's a real, it is a it sounds real, incredibly simple. It, There's it, not it many steps. Be. It should be. So I said earlier, let's make a distinction yep. between us and somebody else. I tell you right now that the stuff that you're buying at a grocery store. Yeah. I go to Kroger. I pull out <laughs> some honey. What is it? Most of it is not even honey. Actually, I read a study about it's not honey. Four, I read a study like three or four years ago. They took they took um, twenty seven samples. Okay, they just went out to all the major retail stores, the Kroger's of the world. Yeah. Okay, Costco is one of them as well, and they pulled honey off of the. I, I realize your customers, mm-hmm. your customers, your listeners cannot hear my. He's air quoting everyone. Yeah. So the. Um, they re- they did an analysis. Pop that open again. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Russ, Russ has got a little fancy trick with his ring and uh, on twist off beers. So <laughs> you more than a honey yeah, guy. I, I learned a thing or two in college. <laughs> so the um, so they they ran analysis on this honey, and out of twenty seven, I think it was twenty four, if not twenty five of them, mm. contained zero pollen. Okay, so the only, which would be impossible. Well, the only way you can do that is if it's not real honey. So then it, it kind of led me down a rabbit hole of like in like researching, like well, what does that mean? 
And then I come to find out that the U.S. government, the the um, their idea of what honey can be is really out there. And they they you also can, they change the definition. You can actually do like flavored syrups that are flavored like honey and still label it as honey. Okay, so I don't know if they're do- synthetically flavored. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, like there there's like corn syrups basically, and they're adding it's honey. Like if you go to like Bob Evans or any of the restaurants, you get a little little packet. Yes, that there is no honey in that. There is no honey in that at all. But it's it's a flavored syrup and it's listed as honey. Because the government says that is okay. And that is really, that's really interesting. And and then, you know, as I further researched it, if our own government is saying that's okay, we import so much honey. From From other countries. Oh, South America, overseas, all over the world. All over the world. The good thing is you you look on the back of your honey bottle at any store you go to, Look on the back of the bottle. It'll tell you where it's from, which country at least. Okay. So, um, and, and that's, that's the requirement. That's a labeling requirement. Yeah, you have to say where it's, where it was sourced from. So it makes you wonder like China, we get a lot of, a lot of air quotes again, honey from China. And it's like, you gotta be kidding me. You think this is real honey when our own government says you can liquid like flavor, uh, flavor syrups and call it honey, but we're getting this stuff from China uh-huh. and selling it in the supermarkets as honey. It's like, no, that's not honey. Like, <laughs> it, it, I, I mean, I have never tested it myself, but it's like, that's not, it cannot be like, so I get this question a lot too. And so that, let me back up. So that's the distinction I'll make the local beekeepers that you're going to buy honey from that, you know, have the bees and they're, you know, they're running family businesses and stuff like that. That's where you want to get your honey from somebody that, you know, you know, you can see and you can actually go see the beehives and stuff like that. Right. Right. Going into a store to buy honey. The, the only way they can do that, it has to be shelf stable. Okay. So they're not going to generally sell raw honey, even if it's listed as raw, it, because it'll crystallize. It, ha- it will crystallize. So, th- and they can't have that, right? So, like, we sell into a couple stores. Uh, we we do personally, and I will go in and check about every two to three weeks. And generally, it's as I'm adding other bottles to the shelf, right? Right. As I'm doing that, I will pull bottles that are crystallized, right? The big com- the big guys can't do that, right? No. They're just shipping out hundreds of millions of bottles of honey. They're not going to go check to see if it's crystallized. So they they have to get around that. And the way to do that is to superheat it and filter it, okay? So, so how hot are they heating it? Oh, I, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. But they're I know they're highly filtering it, and then they're heating it. Uh, again, a, go- a quick Google search will probably tell you, but... If you heat it to a certain point, it will no longer crystallize. Uh-huh. Okay. So, and I don't, I do not know the science behind why that is, but that's how they do it in the supermarkets. So it's just, it's really interesting. Um, we get, you know, honey is not the cheapest thing in the world. Right. Right. So it's like, we get, you know, we get this question a lot too. It's like, well, wh- why is your honey like X dollars? Right. And we're not the most expensive out there. I mean, we, I think we're pretty reasonably priced, but People were like, "Well, I can get I can get oh certified organic honey at Costco for like half of what yours is." Yeah, like, and it's like there's like and it's okay. They just don't know, right? But it's like, man, there's so many so much wrong with that statement that like it's like also it's almost like not worth even 
even having the conversation (laughs) because it's like i so first off there is right so we sell at farmer's markets as well and i would say probably once at least once a saturday at the farmer's market at bar street they will say oh costco has this organic honey is yours organic and i'm like i'll tell you right now even gone through the organic process right with our elderberries you cannot certify honey in the United States that was produced in the United States as organic. The USDA will not certify honey as organic. Why? Because. Because they don't know what plant the bee is going to. 100%. They say we cannot dictate or, or basically validate where the bees are going to get their nectar sources. And it makes sense. It really does. For like, sure. You can't, you can't 100% definitively say that they didn't go to, you know, something that had been sprayed like six months ago or something like that um, where they brought something back into the hive. Now, it would be in incredibly small doses, but, like, you can't certify it as organic because of that, right? So how is Costco getting? So they're getting around it because, and, I, and I, this is all I tell people. Go to Costco and read the back of that label and tell me where that honey came from because it is not local. It is not even from this country, and it'll either say China or it's going to say some country in South America that the requirements for organic certification in those countries, they're, they're like a joke. Yeah. So you're buying a label that says it's organic, but it's not. I mean, it's just it's like it's total false advertising. It's man, it's really frustrating. Um, but this is what so I made I did a podcast with Carrie. And I titled it "Know Your Farmer." Oh, right on, um, Carrie, who we get a lot of our, you know, I've watched him do his process. I watched how he how he treats his cattle. I know yeah. how he treats his pigs and sure. his chickens. And it's like, all right, I'll eat, I'll eat the food that you produce. Yep. Because I see that you're above board, and really, that's we need to stop putting our faith in these government institutions, and that includes labels like organic. Yes. Like that, that needs to be, <laughs> we need to be done with that. It's like the Holy grail of labeling. Yeah. It is. And really all it is, is some dude figured it out yep. and got it past you. And <laughs> you're going to pay six more dollars for that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the quality yeah. is what you're going for. You're going for quality and some shyster got you. Yes. And, oh, that's all it is. Exactly. And I also think that we need to start, not that I was really intending to do this, but I don't care if your honey costs more, if you're a local small business, we need to start putting dollars into that. Yeah, if, I got you. If, uh, if we want to be really a community that's resilient, and yeah. you know, we need to support that. And, and the truth is, I think that has been on the rise over the last couple of years. Good. I mean, so we sell out of honey every year. So, and we make a lot of honey, but we sell out every single year. So it's just because people are buying it. Yeah. You know, people know our story. Uh, and, and the more people we talk to about it at the farmer's market, we tell everybody our story and stuff like that and who we are and where we are and stuff like that. People can come by the farm anytime they want and just, you know, whatever. But, um, and I think they're willing to, you know, once they start to realize, um, hey, this, not only is this honey really good. But in and, and most people's honeys are. I'm not saying ours is better or whatever. Your honey is awesome. But well, my, it, I, 
uh, both of my kids are half honey at this point. They eat so much honey. I swear that they are half honey. And so oh, nice. we're pretty happy to have beehives uh, yeah, on the sure. land because they're going to eat. They're going to, oh, there's so much honey. But anyway. So, well, thank you for that. That's good. I, if the bees do all the work, I, I literally don't do anything other than just manage them to help them out. But so um, the people, once they start realizing what they're buying, if it's local, the quality of it versus what they've been buying in the store. Yep. The, it's just like, holy cow. Like, and no, and the, no one, they're not going back at that point. It's like, no. And then, it, then, it, then if you actually do get to a point where that you actually can have a conversation with them, even if it's a very quick one, even at a farmer's market or if they stop by our farm and buy honey off the farm, you know, they start to understand the stuff that you and I are now talking about. Like, the labeling, where the, where does this originate from? Stuff like that, the, the fact that they have to heat it to keep it shelf-stable, stuff like that. That's like, oh, man, I didn't realize any of that. Uh, but that's why I wanted to do this podcast because a lot of – I have a similar issue, right, is I have to say the same thing over and over <laughs> and over and over again. Yeah. And now when you're at the farmer's market, you can just say, hey, go here and listen to this podcast. It'll explain it all to you. Right, exactly. And then, and then come back and buy more honey. Yeah, exactly. And, and most people realize that, like the whole Costco thing. Like, I'm not, I can't exaggerate. At least once a Saturday, we get somebody that comes up to us and say, like, can I just ask you, like, why is your honey so much more expensive? I can go to Costco and I can get organic honey for half of what I can get it for here. And it's like, well, okay, let's talk about the organic thing. We'll have that conversation with them. It's like, well, nobody in the United States can have organic honey. Oh, I didn't realize that. Like, well, how do they get around it? It's like, well, look on the back of the bottle and it'll tell you which country. Yeah, what country it came from. And it's like, oh, really? I didn't know that. And once you start to talk to them, even if it's a 15-second conversation, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll take a bottle. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they'll, they'll generally end up buying it. It's like they want to learn. They want to know the stuff. It's just, it's just, you know, the government, I don't know if they're at purposefully doing it, but it is it is a type of deception, you know, by labeling honey organic honey and bottling it on the shelf and putting it there you know what connotation that comes with. Yep. So by doing that, you are in almost intentionally trying to deceive somebody saying, Hey, it's organic honey. And it's like, is it though? It, it feels <laughs> deceitful. It feels very deceitful. So I agree with you. It's so. interesting. There's, um, we have some of the worst health outcomes in this country and a lot uh, to do with that is the food. Yeah. Uh, it's not the only thing, but yeah. it's a lot to do with that. Yeah, for sure. And it's really because we've gone completely paradoxical with our foods. Mm-hmm. So the foods that need more nutrient diversity to grow in the soil, they actually have none. And right. we genetically modify them so right. that they can grow. And then we synthetically fertilize them. They need a massive amount of diversity. And that's why my spinach is going to be worth 10 spinaches in right. Kroger. If if not, maybe more. I made the number up. Right. And nutritional value and everything it, else. And, and actually what matters in your body, right. why this food is actually here. Right. And then right. in the food that we are supposed to leave alone, we mess with, a, we put so many extra steps and added to things. Like we take dairy and people think I'm crazy for, like my family drinks raw dairy. Sure. Um, from a cow that we have been told is grass fed. We haven't been to their farm, but they drink raw dairy. And it's like, why in the world would you take a food that is alive, like mm-hmm. milk, right? Exactly. and then kill it 
and then spin it all down and then put some extra stuff into it so that it stays longer and then go drink that and think that's going to be healthy. So my mom actually grew up on a dairy farm. Yeah. Right. So my mom grew, she was drinking like raw milk her whole life. Yeah. So it's like, and, and her parents, they're both in their like late nineties, mid nineties, healthy as can be. It's just like, I don't know. There's, it's, it's, I, there's no doubt. There's a lot to be said about what you put in your body year after year, meal after meal about what is actually, you know, what you said earlier, like, what do you say? Like it's either partially toxic or partially beneficial. Everything's a medicine or a poison. <laughs> so it's like, Depends on, yeah, yes. Those small doses of this stuff will add up in your body over the years. So they will, it will either go towards your poison bucket or towards your medicine bucket. I see. I, and I actually thought that, um, it, so I, I won't, let me just ask this. I actually kept bees at a dairy farmer uh, here in Indiana. I kept bees on his property for a few years. And he was getting requests. This is about six years ago. He was getting requests from people all the time to buy raw milk. And he didn't say, he never sold it to anybody because he, I, he told me it was illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. You can edit this out later. Like, is it, <laughs> like, is it illegal to buy raw honey or how are you getting around that? So... The government and all of its wisdom right, made right. it illegal to buy raw dairy. Okay. And all of the uh, Amish got real sneaky and they said, well, they're not buying dairy. They're buying part of the cow. I got gotcha. So now you own part of a cow. Own, I'm air quoting own. Yes, I got gotcha. And then you get the cow product. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a <laughs> crazy, unnecessary yeah. like loophole that we've had to yes. run around. But yeah, it's isn't, wrong. Isn't it's it amazing the government is like so big brother that they like will say what you can and can't <laughs> buy. Like, yeah, it's really healthy for you. Well, no, there's a very, very slight chance if it's kept in an inhumane situation and all this other stuff that it could be bad for you. Well, the stuff that they always recall because it's in, like infected right. with E. coli is right. all the most highly processed, highly exactly. garbage stuff anyway. Exactly. I, Find me one person who died from drinking raw milk. I dare you to find me one person. I could I could probably count a lot of people who died from eating like stuff at E. coli yes. and stuff like that, or salmonella in raw meats and everything else coming from these major butchers and stuff in yes. slaughterhouses. So I totally get it. It doesn't make it makes no sense. It's all about the almighty dollar, and it, I, I don't even really feel like it's. Yeah, I don't really feel like it's even trying to keep Americans safe. No nope. more than it it's is. It's about just, regulation and yeah. control and money. Hundred yeah. percent. And and then there's this group of people that would take it even further and say it's intentional. They're taking away healthy things on purpose, yeah. and I, it, it's hard to argue with them because we have a lot of dots connecting that way. You're trying to put motives in people's heads, and I'm not. I don't know people's motives. Yeah, but it is. It's it's a massively frustrating thing. Yeah. Yeah, you really, oh boy, you really, you, you hate to even think that it yeah. would be intentional. Like, it's like, man, if, if that is the case, like it, if at any level that that level is of just, um, deception is going on, dear God, that's I crazy. I mean, like it just is, like, that's not a, we, we think like, man, and I love America, right? Best country in the world. Yep. I mean, it really is. I, I yep, mean, we me have too. freedoms that you couldn't even imagine in other countries. That just whatever we, I think we take so much for granted on a day to day basis, right? But if that kind of stuff is going on, it's just like, man, like we're in trouble. So, so you want to hear what? All right, I'll just tell you. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it. So there's a lady. Um, her name is Catherine Austin Fitz. Okay, she's. Uh, big up in the financial 
world. She yes, she used to be, um, I think she was Secretary of fi- Finance for George Bush Senior. Okay, I think that sure. that's right. It she she was in that world. In that world, yeah. She gave the best explanation as to the collusion behind this poisoning that I've ever heard, and I'd never ever I didn't know any of this. So when she was in the government, she found like a missing twenty-two trillion dollars, just a small amount. Um, the government has, uh, you're, we can't audit the government. I don't remember what year it was. She says which year it was, but they closed their books. So, uh, I'm sure nothing nefarious is going on there. Of course not. But what she was told and the way that she tells it is that the, um, fed removed all of the money out of the United States, like pension plans and social security. So trillions and trillions of dollars that is supposedly there yes. is not there because the Fed is not in the United States. They're not owned. It's five private banks. And so they moved right. their money out and they said, we're done with America. Well, how do you hide trillions of dollars right. of theft? I couldn't I have no clue. You kill people. You kill them before they get it. And she said in the oh. 90s started the mass poisoning. She said <laughs> it was the great poisoning that started in the 90s. And if you look at a lot of our health problems, we started spraying food with glyphosate in the 90s. We started yeah. massively vaccinating children in the 90s, past what we, what we should be. We started, we started doing a lot of poisonous stuff to our food in the 90s, and it's only grown over the last two decades. And it was a very compelling explanation from a she was definitely not a cuckoo for cocoa puffs right. person yeah, explain this you. and you're like you. wait a minute like, they need to lower the <laughs> age they <laughs> raised they raised the age to retirement yeah and they try right. to kill more people off to try to cover up this loss of money and so i wow uh i will say publicly that i think that that she's probably right. Yeah. I really do. It's hard for me again to insert motives behind people, but this is someone who was deep into the government who sees things yes. a little different than I do. Hundred percent. And I, it was eye opening. So Catherine Austin Fitz. People want to go fact check me. They can go <clears throat> listen to her. That's interesting. I mean, that is such a um, that's a scary thought. First off, but it's like I love I I love it. You know, boy, when you when you start thinking about stuff like that. It's like you, you always want to take what you hear with a grain of salt, yeah. especially who it's coming from. For sure. Right? You hear a lot of, you know, uh, YouTube warriors or whatever, like, stay in their peace, and they're like, man, well, that guy is crazy. Right? <laughs> and most of them probably are. Yeah. But when you hear something like that from a source that is like, not only is she in the know yep. to a level, right? Clearly not crazy. Obviously, to get to that point in her career and be that high up has to be incredibly smart. And it was her life mission to to try to stop it from happening. So ah, she started a website called the Solari Report, and she basically gives you step-by-step ways to try to fortify your little community of people yeah. and to, to try to prevent this these kind of powers that be, the Fed, whatever we want to call them, from prevailing. Interesting. And it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool. She's, she's the reason why I left Chess Bank. So I used to bank with Chase Bank, and she she says in her podcast, "Why are you financing your enemy?" Interesting. I was like, "Ah, oh, crap! I, I got to get my I, money out of Chase Bank." I used to manage a Chase Bank. Oh, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that was a, a different lifetime ago. But Her yeah. point was the big banks, Chase Bank, Wells Fargo. I totally get all, it. You know, I totally get it. That she was like, these people don't have your best interest in heart. Why are you giving them all of your money? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Man, that is crazy. It, it, like, so we, so we have a small, like, garden, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it grows every year, right? But it, I, I don't even know how many, how many square feet it is, but so... My wife and I and my parents, actually, they kind of co-garden it with us. But we kind of have this, like, mission that we would like to grow all of our own food yeah. for one year. Yeah. And my mom, growing up in upstate New York, um, canned religiously, right? So they, they butchered their own meat, their own pigs, their own cows, their own chickens, everything else. Uh, and then they canned everything right so that's how my mom grew up so i i inherited a lot of that from her and i love it i love canning i love it. like oh my gosh like so and we're we're, we're adding new vegetables every year so it's uh-huh. kind of like when you start this process um it's like well what do you plant like oh i don't know tomatoes let's go plant some tomatoes and we love tomatoes right but it's like well it can't just be tomatoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to have something else here. Like you can't just eat tomatoes all year. So like last year, two years ago, I did, um, potatoes. I did, uh, a potato box, like this huge, like 20 foot by like 10 foot potato box. And I just like elevated it up and I just got like just tons of potatoes. Did you? So I'm like, man, let's can this. Like, let's do all this stuff. And then last year I got my first harvest of, or this spring actually of asparagus. So planted a huge rose of asparagus and I'm walking out there. It's like early June, maybe late May. Those are perennial, right? They come back every year. They go back every year. So I'm like, man, we need to find more of this stuff that we can just plant and have it come back every year. So, um, I'm walking through the garden. I'm like, Oh, there's an asparagus. I mean, it looks like exactly, you know, it's a nice fully formed asparagus couple, you know, 10 inches long. I just ripped that thing out of the ground and started eating it. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like this is how I want to live my life. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean, I just want to go to the garden and just eat food out of the garden and just whatever. And we have chickens and stuff like that too. But, um, one of the mottos here at our office is moving towards backwards. Oh, I, and I love that. That I love that. I'll get you a sweatshirt. We're going to make more. <laughs> I'm going to get you a sweatshirt. There's the, a lot to be said. That's a, that's a powerful statement and it could not be more true. Go back. Go back. We lost something. We've lost something. And I, one of the things I really do want to do is um, with our farm and maybe at our next location, I don't know if we'll ever move from this building, but we almost grew out of it and we've had some personnel changeover, so we're okay right now, but we almost grew out of it. So one of the things that I really want to do is help people's resiliency um, with food. So not being so dependent on these other things and teaching people how to can and to yeah. eat seasonally yeah, and, for sure. and to actually crave good food rather than garbage food. Um, there's there's going to be so much healing and so much help that comes with that because it's not only is it healthy for your body in every single which way, but the lifestyle change is actually an anti-anxiolytic. I've watched it happen over and over and over. That's interesting. You start to separate yourself from all of this dependency on all of these things, that these forces that are bigger than you, and you actually gain some responsibility. So you increase responsibility, and it, it fortifies you and your family, and it will literally lower your anxiety level. And I, we are in an epidemic of anxiety. That makes total sense. It's Take an, an empowerment of your yes. situation and everything else, and it's like, you have a mind shift from like 
uh, a victim mentality to I'm yeah. a conqueror. One hundred. Yes, that is it. <laughs> you stop being a victim and you become the man, right? <laughs> or woman? Or the woman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know you meant nothing by that, <laughs> but you're, that's awesome. And you're right. I mean, it's it is. Ah, oh boy, it's it is interesting. Just the amount of anxiety that people have in this country. I know. Uh, thank, thankfully, thank God. Like I have never had anxiety. Right. And that that's, that's just very, I think I'm lucky in some regards to not have anxiety. There are so many people that yeah, I, you probably see it way more than I do, but I'm All just, a, I'm just a beekeeper. So I don't what do I know? But like, it's like, what are people anxious about? But then you stop and think it's like, ah, I don't know. You got people who got busy lives and just like we worried, lost worried about everything. And I think it's, if they went back it, it, it's interesting, right? Like if you went back to like the thirties, I don't mm-hmm. know, thirties, forties, fifties, whatever. And, and how people lived back then. Right. And, and maybe even further back than that, but like smaller communities yep. where everybody knew everybody. And you went to, you know, the, the general store, you know, and I'm going way back there, but like the general store and you knew your, your farmer and you grew your own food and you had this like self-reliance that you, you knew that, you didn't rely on anybody. Like, if if anything happened, you could take care of your own family. Yes. And I think that is a rare thing today. It's extremely rare. Um, I, I'll i tell you a quick story about a patient that I had. Um, I had a patient whose mom had a heart attack. She's got a, a mom who's in her 70s, and she had a heart attack, and she was actually there when it happened pounded her mother's chest back to life. Wow. She, she died, uh, brought back to life, um, and is still here to this day. That's amazing. It, it was awesome. But she was up and down. She coded also in the hospital again. So it was up and down. She had to put her entire life on pause um, to try to help her mother. Sure. And then months later, mom gets better, and she goes back to doing all the things that she's doing. She's doing the prayer group the, at church, the small group whatever thing at church on top of the prayer group. She's going back to work. She's going running kids here and there. And she, and she told me that she was healthier and less anxious while <laughs> her mom was dying in a hospital than when she went back to her life. And I think we have That's crazy. scaled our relationships so big. Yeah. Maybe because of technology or, or right. It, it's right. all technology, right? Whether it's travel or, or like the connection that we've lost the connection in the small. And when you get that big, yeah, that's that bigness is chaos. There's yeah. anything is an option there. And you, our natural response would be to be anxious to that. That makes total sense. And if you can yep. shrink things down a little bit yeah, and stop thinning yourself out, Right. And I know that this is pot calling the kettle black because I just did this to myself this last <laughs> year and all the things that we started. But um, it, it it's really, it, it's life-saving. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Take, take ownership back of the things you control and just yes. build build on that. And what we're trying to do here, I everybody looks at me and they're like, why are you doing all this stuff? I, I know we haven't known each other very long, but this year we started a PT clinic. We started a school we started a farm. Um, That's awesome. And really, I I was trying to, to talk to one of my staff the other day. I said, really, I'm only I'm only trying to solve one problem. 
And the problem is reductionism. We've reduced our lives down to this simple symptom or this simple thing. And yeah. and here's the problem. And no, I'm trying to solve the, we are a whole people. Right. And so I really am just trying to solve one thing. It just looks like an education in this area or <laughs> a farm over here. <laughs> At least that's, that's what I'm telling cool. myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. making me feel a little better about it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So I had mentioned it, but I want you to, to talk about a, just a smidgen. And yeah, we'll yeah. take long. There are, in this town, companies that sell local honey, and I'm air-quoting local, Mm -hmm. that really is not local. Oh, there's no doubt about it. So they're getting honey in and bottling it in Fort Wayne or Cherubusco or Columbia City, and then they're like, hey, this is local honey? Yeah, I think think you got to look at, uh, and, and you can just do it yourself, like go into the supermarket and just look on the back of every bottle of honey you get. And, and he could say, I, it, it there, and I know it, I know they're out there, right? I see it all the time. It'll say local honey on it and you flip it over and it'll, it, it won't even be bottled here. It'll say like bottled in like Minnesota. How do they right? get away with that? Uh, who's to say what local is? I mean, that's the thing. I, I mean, like we just had a conversation about the U.S. government with organic stipulations and how easy that is. Now we're going to say, like, oh, how do they get away with that? It's, it's because the government's <laughs> – I mean, they don't care. You're right. That it's was like, a dumb question. It's like, well, I guess we're local if you live in, like, Africa. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, I don't know. So I think if you want local honey, go to the source. Don't buy, don't buy it at the store. So, right? well, let's tell them to, to end this. Let's tell them what you're doing at our place. Yeah, over at your house. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and we have currently we have seven seven different bee yards that we keep bees at. Um, our house is one, but we have many other. Uh, so, and yeah, my my house is one of the seven. Your house is one of the seven. Yep, exactly. So we started you guys off with what twenty? I you said you yeah, we, we were going to be anywhere from twenty to forty. You weren't so yeah, sure. I we started you off with twenty hives this year. I, I we brought over five pallets. So, okay. um, yeah, we brought over twenty beehives to your property, um, and uh, yeah, we just we do that. We you know we we want to do what's in the best interest of the bees, right? Yeah. So producing honey is really a byproduct of of a healthy beehive. Right. So if you do what you need to do for the bees to keep, keep them healthy and happy and just growing and just give them everything they need, the, the we are the benefactors of that by being able to harvest honey. And Le- bees need sunlight. They need flowers. Yeah. They need what do they, they need, need? They need space to live. Um, they need. Yeah, they need space to live and they just need a they need a, a ready supply of nectar. So I was telling you earlier, like. We had earlier this spring, we had 200 beehives at my house, right? Yeah. Which is way too many. Like, yeah. that's not, that's not sustainable um, for healthy beehives because you really are good. You're just depleting all of the nectar. Uh, and it's not like, oh yeah, you just add more bees, you get more honey. Well, it doesn't work that way. Um, you're just going to deplete the nectar in your area. So you really have to start spreading the bees out, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that was really a short term period and we were doing it because we were selling bees. Right. Um, but um, so yeah, your house, we got 20 beehives, uh, and we just do that just because it's one, you're going to get a different flavor of honey. Every bee yard we have produces a different flavor of honey, right? Weird. So it, it is, it's 100% what they're eating. So your property, for example, has a lot more trees than some of our other properties. So 
especially at certain times of year, you're going to have a lot more tree nectar coming in, which a lot of people don't realize that trees actually even produce nectar. Did I had no idea. But they do. So in the springtime specifically, they do. So, and it's actually one of the first nectars are available to the bees is from trees. But yeah, you get like dogwood trees and like black locust trees. So like, I mean, I've got those. So many different types of, that all impacts the flavor. So it's like, and, and seasonally it'll change. So like, just like we just talked about. So in the spring, you're going to have a f- certain flavor of honey because of what was blooming at that time. And then, and then later in the fall, what was blooming in the spring is no longer blooming, but something else is going to be blooming. So what they're eating, what flower the nectar comes from, 100% dictates the fla- the flavor of the honey, right? So have you ever, I mean, you probably have it, heard orange blossom honey. Yeah. Okay, so orange blossom honey is, is primarily made. From it, that it, flower. Oh, it, well, it's, it is from Only. that flower. Yeah, so it, it's generally made or produced in Florida, right? Because it's a very, very heavy, some California, but mostly Florida, very heavy citrus state. When we lived there, we would actually drive through the, the, and we didn't keep bees at this time, but we would drive through the orchards. I mean, it's just it, orange trees as far, I mean, as far as you could see. Sure. I mean, so you put a beehive out there during the blossoms of the oranges, and they do it for pollination as well. It makes a very distinctly orange-flavored citrus honey. I mean, you, you I've never eaten it. You, if you eat it, you'll know exactly. It's it, good? Oh, it's delicious. Oh, it's delicious. Orange blossom honey is delicious, but it is a, it is you. It is undeniable that this came from an orange tree, uh-huh. right? It's that prominent in the honey, but there's no there's no orange flavoring added to it. But it's like right. this tastes like oranges, right? So, what the flower they're getting nectar from will dictate that. So there's a um, buckwheat. Okay, so buckwheat, buckwheat. If you if you grow it on a large scale, and and put hives out by them. You actually make black honey. It, it it is actually black. It looks like tar. Really? Yeah. And it's because buckwheat nectar is very very dark. So it's like I mean it's just crazy. So like yeah, that's interesting. Buckwheat is actually one of the supplements that I use the most because oh interesting. Buckwheat has the highest amount of vitamin P in it, which I didn't even know was a vitamin. Never heard of it. It's part <laughs> of vitamin C. So most people think that vitamin C is ascorbic acid because that's what it says on the label. And right. Vitamin C is multiple things. That's what I would have thought. It's a complex of multiple different... Uh, uh, new. It's tocopherols, ascorbic acid, and vitamin P. Interesting. Vitamin P is Make the... Up vitamin C. The, 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 and we call that vitamin C. Gotcha. And vitamin P stands for protective... And it's protective for your connective tissue. Huh. Well, we have a lot of connective tissue diseases in this country. We don't get a lot of vitamin P. And so I use a lot of buckwheat. Interesting. So like varicose veins, even into small intestines or connective tissue, your skin, your hair, your nails, your ligaments, all connective tissue. Very Same with your arteries. So if I have cardiovascular disease, it's buckwheat, baby. That's which is the number one killer in this country. And I wonder if buckwheat honey <laughs> would also be cardiovascularly medicinal i would i would I, put money on it that it would be i would i would bet you too yeah i mean they're getting the pollen from it and stuff like Ab, that uh-huh. so a lot of the, a lot of what's what you eat in that it's also found in the honeys so the micronutrients and stuff like that like amino acids and vitamins yep. and minerals and stuff like that a lot of that transfers over to honey so yeah if you google 
buckwheat honey. honey. It's black, and it's like, what? We gotta make some of that, <laughs> Russell. We gotta make some buckwheat honey, man. Well, you can grow buckwheat. Around I know. There. So, in order, I'm gonna grow buckwheat all around those hives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't even get to the hives. Buckwheat, <laughs> everywhere. buckwheat everywhere. So, the now anything would help, right? So they're gonna. Buckwheat is actually a very heavy nectar producer as well. So when it's actually flowering, they're they're getting a lot of nectar from that. So in order to get the black honey, though, not to say that even a small amount of buckwheat wouldn't help. It's going to be exclusively on buckwheat. I'm talking they have to have hundreds of acres of buckwheat honey that are purposefully growing. You know what I mean? Yes. In order order to get the true black buckwheat honey. I probably won't be doing that. Hundreds of acres of buckwheat. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with all this buckwheat? I have no idea. <laughs> I just wanted the nectar. <laughs> well, so I use a lot of standard process products, and they they were the um, the guy who discovered vitamin C started standard process. That's why I know about it. Okay, his name's Royal Lee. He was probably he's a genius that you've never heard of. He yeah. it, he's a fascinating creature, but um, they grow the most amount of buckwheat in the in the entire country. Interesting. Yeah. So he could probably get some, he probably has a source of honey. I'll bet he does. I mean, because, because buckwheat is such a high nectar producer, beekeepers actually do search out growers. He's in um, Wisconsin. I guarantee his farm is completely surrounded by giraffes. Well, he's unfortunately dead. I wish he was no. still alive, but he's, he was old. I, I, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring the bees in among many. Yeah was kind of this whole regenerative mindset where it's like, okay, the bees actually make better vegetables or yeah. better. Oh, for sure. So can you speak towards that? Well, yeah. All? I mean, it's it's how well something is pollinated, uh. right? So like you're, the, the more, the more, a, um, the more a plant or a flower is pollinated, the bigger, it, the bigger and healthier that vegetable is going to be. Why? Maybe I don't know what and pollination it, is. And it's 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 a diversity of pollen too. So it's like so the bees bringing pollen from all the other things that it touched for sure, and it's dropping it off on this vegetable. Yeah, hundred percent. So if you're doing, if you're doing, it just produces a healthier plant, and a uh-huh. healthier plant produces bigger and better and healthier vegetables and fruits. So a bee, it's going to you know, flower after flower after flower after flower, getting pollen from all every of one these. of them yeah every one of them so as opposed to if you just had like a huge monoculture field right yes. that only had one thing in it you know it's like and half of those now are modified to be self-pollinating because they don't even need the bees anyways but well, a, that's weird <laughs> yeah a lot oh a lot of stuff is self-pollinating I did not know that oh really yeah oh there's a lot of stuff in this country that does not even need bees to pollinate it'll be either either it can pollinate itself literally through its own the own <laughs> its own plant pollinates itself I feel like there's a few jokes we're leaving on the table here <laughs> i don't again so i won't I, I will not sit here and say that i'm the expert in pollination because i'm not but the there are certainly oh my gosh there are i i oh boy like there are so many fruits and vegetables that you would think like man you need to pollinate that. Like, you know, and they're like, oh, they don't even need bees. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, they just, they're self-pollinating. And it's like, oh, okay, that seems weird. But, um, but so anyway, so like with the, the vegetables and the fruits, like 
because the bees are traveling to so many different pollen sources, a lot of those pollens, not all of them, but some of the pollens are compatible and they do pollinate and fertilize some of these other plants, right? So apples is a great example of that. There, you know, there's a variety of apples that might pollinate 12 other varieties of apples, mm. right? So if you have like, and their vegetables are the same way, but like if you do that, it's like, wow, that was really well pollinated. You're going to have the biggest apples, the, the juiciest ones. Uh, nutritionally, I don't know if it adds nutritional value to it. It might. I just don't know, right? So, like, I don't know if the pollen adds, you know, whatever. I know it makes the plant healthy. There's no way it can't because increase in color, increase in yeah. size is ubiquitous to increase in nutrient density. That's a good point. And so... Yeah. The medicinal aspect of this food is only going to be increased. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And what I'm hearing you say, and I've never thought about this, plants really need a top and bottom approach of diversity. So the diversity of the soil it's grown in, and as well as the diversity of the pollen, the bees dropping 100%. off on it, that makes the best plant. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, oh, top and bottom. So yeah. cool. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I, I never, see, I look at things... And, in you know, our, our mutual friend, Carrie, like he's opened my eyes a lot. And then you know, I think you're kind of talking about it as well. The, um, the soil biome, biome, yep. all of sort of what's it? He's big on the soil, he, man. He is. He's definitely big on that. <laughs> and it's like, it opens your eyes. It's like, oh man, this is how you make a healthy plant. Right. And it's yeah. not, it starts with not tilling it up and spraying a bunch of crap on it. Sure. But I don't really, I've never really looked at it from that perspective. I'm always, I'm, I'm on the top You're end, on the right? Top. It's like every, everything I see is what I do with the bees. So uh, you're right. It is a top and bottom. If you do it right on both, you're going to have some pretty. The best product. You're going to have the best product. No matter what. And this <laughs> so, is the whole cool. point of the regenerative farming. It's like this yeah. feeds this and yeah. that feeds that. And yeah. then this also feeds and it's this big circle. Yeah. And. Again, I we need to move back towards that. Yep, exactly. That was a good place well, to stop. <laughs> well, <laughs> unless you have, is there? Why don't you say your website again? It's just uh, cartershoneybees.com. Cartershoneybees.com. If somebody wants to buy bees yeah. or buy honey, yeah, if and they're they're going to be able to buy honey. So I, yep. I'm going to buy back the honey that you make on our land, yep. and we're going to sell it here yep. in, at Crossroads. There you go. And. Uh, I think you guys already have bottles up there. Uh, we've already sold like 60 bottles of it. Nice. So it's, and only half of that was my kids. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of like playing Little League and I had to sell M&Ms to like yes, get a uniform. And I, I, I had to buy them all. Because I, I was my biggest buyer. Yeah. My <laughs> wife texts me bi-weekly. Hey, can you bring more honey home? So. That's awesome. But anyway, was there anything else that you wanted to? to no, I to, think we're good. Totally cool conversation. This I mean, it was cool. like even when we talked about it, you know, I, I text you and say, like, what do you want to talk about? Like, <laughs> is, there, is there anything particular you want to talk about? And it's like, because I'll talk about bees all day, right? Great. And that's a lot of things. People will call me and be like, I, I don't want to bother you. It's like, listen, you're not bothering me. Like, and and that happens often. I could literally play you a voicemail from this morning. It's a guy called and said, I don't want to bother you. It's like, I, I'm extremely passionate about bees, you know, you're not bothering me. So it's like, that's what I thought we were going to do. It's like, man, I'll sit here and ramble about bees for an hour if you want me to. But it's like, cool, because that's not where this conversation 
it's it, we talked about it, but it's like it kind of hit a lot of different talking points, which wow. is cool. We talked for an hour and a half. Oh dear God, <laughs> that's that's surprising. I, I'm not kidding. I thought it was 40 minutes. Hour and a half. <laughs> it is very clear that you're passionate about what you do, and it's very clear that you enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I'm pumped. I I've never gotten into bees. There's bees in our land. Yeah. For the first time ever. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I can't, you know, you know, you can't be an expert in all things, but I want to partner sure. with people who are. Yeah, no and doubt. That is why I, I'm really yeah. pumped about what we're going to do. And we're going to hopefully bring some elderberry syrup here too. I think yeah, we for sure. do that. We got, uh, I actually was taking drone videos of our elderberry fields yesterday because everything is just in full flower right now. And we're starting to get buds. Beautiful. Are, oh, it's, oh, it's gorgeous. So, um, yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have elderberries ripening probably in about three or four weeks. But. The amount so. of medicinal power, and I can speak to this part, the amount of medicinal power we can do with just those two products you make, honey and elderberry. Yeah. If you're a mom, you should have these in your cabinet at all times. And this is inexpensive medicine. Yes. It keeps the, it keeps the pharmaceutical system away and you grow healthier children. It's interesting. It is interesting for those that know, so we sell a lot of elderberry syrup. Really? A lot. Um, we, so we grow, I, I am planting elderberries about as fast as I possibly can um, because I, I sell out so fast. <clears throat> we, we sell out of our elderberries, the berries, the last two years we've sold out before the end of fall, mm. right? So it's like, and I, and, and it's like the demand doesn't stop. I get calls all the time. Like, Hey, do you have any elderberries? So the people that know about elderberry syrup and elderberries and what it does and why it's beneficial for you and things like that. It's like, it's, they, that's all they want. Yeah. Right. And even like, it's interesting. My mom actually texted me last year, um, or it might've even been the year before. And she's like, I am blown away. Like I'm just walking through the. She was at CVS. She's like I'm just walking through the cold and uh, cold and cough section of the store. Everything has elderberry in it now. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, that's because it's like they know what it does because it like, like works. Yeah, it works. And then it's like, and the and in the same sentence, I'm thinking, okay, you know, <laughs> you, know. you know that that is Chinese <laughs> elderberry well, regulated. Listen, stuff. so ninety percent of the elderberry consumed in this country used in pack used in stuff like that is imported from so um all over the middle uh, middle europe um okay. ukraine the, those countries over there uh are heavy producers in elderberry and i'm not even knocking it like it's I, it's better than nothing right but it's like um studies show and you can just google this quick google search will show you this that american elderberry uh, is more nutritionally dense. It has a lot more of the uh, component, like the, the uh, stuff in it. I forget exactly what the what the very long words of this um, substance found in elderberries. Um, it's a much higher concentrations in American grown. Because I don't know. It's it's a different variety. The elderberries in the United States are more inclined to like a raspberry bush. Mm-hmm. They're very you know, the raspberry bush. I mean, they're, they're like viney, like yep. canes, yep. right? The European elderberry is a tree. It is a single stalk tree. Hmm. So it's just a, it's just a different, it's a, it's a different subset of elderberry. So I don't know. That and the nutrient density in American is much, much higher, Yeah, much higher. And 
Yeah, so I mean, they're just again, I don't, I'm not gonna sit here and doctor anything, but it's like just research it, and you can you know find that out for yourself. Well, elderberry works. At, I can do the doctoring part. Elderberry <laughs> works. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it works uh, very similarly to how echinacea will work. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that they're actually part of the same plant species, or or they're like cousins or something like that. Okay, um, but. Essentially, what I tell people with echinacea is uh, this is a normotensive drug. Mm. Let's not use the word drug. Let's use a better word. It's normotensive to your body. And what I mean by normotensive is that if you have a hyperactive immune system, Mm -hmm. really hyperactive, causing a lot of inflammatory damage, it will bring it down. If you have a really hypoactive immune system, not not answer like allowing uh, pathogenic proliferation it will bring it up mm. and so this is why i love herbal medicine in many ways not all herbs are like that um yeah. and and this is why i love holistic and functional medicine like with plants it's god smarter than i am yeah i don't have yeah, to be yeah. any smarter than that. i just have to know a little bit yeah and then i give you the right thing at the right time and it, it does what the body does yep. exactly rather than me trying to put my thumb on the scale mm of your body it never goes well <laughs> whenever you do that you knock off 10 other things down the road and it just, just yeah. never goes well exactly well that's cool yeah i mean so i i do research on it and it's like I, ah boy I, I so we have two two kind of things here like <clears throat> i will never this is me because I don't know. I'm not, you're a doctor. I'm not a doctor, right? I'm a beekeeper and I grow elderberries, right? Okay. So that is my knowledge base. You don't make claims. I don't make claims. I I do not make claims and I never will because I am not in a position to do so. Now you probably are certainly in certainly way more than I am and probably certainly just an entirely you are, but like people come to us all the time and say, well, what, what will this do for me? And I'm like, I can't, I can't like, it's just like, I just, there's somebody, I give them websites they can go to and just like read a quick Google search benefits of elderberry stuff like that. will tell you what it's good for, but it's like, I, I can't do it. But this is why the partnership between us, I think is going to be great. Yeah. I, Oh, I completely agree with that. Cause you're going to grow the stuff that I don't know how to grow. And then I'm going to tell people what it does and how it works yeah. in their body. And it believing is part of it. You have to believe that this is going to work. Well, I will tell you this. So, we have a, a, I hate, I don't want to use the word cult, but we have a following uh-huh. for elderberry syrup. Um, and they believe. Yep. Okay. There's not, it's not a question in their minds. They understand what this is and they religiously take it every day um, because they know. And they have their families taking us like that. And I could, I could tell you stories. I mean, I had, I had a lady come to me last year who had cancer and she, like she, this was like she her fourth swears. visit. Oh my gosh. It was yeah. like her fourth visit and she was doing chemo and stuff like that. And she, she stopped me. Like we have a self-serve stand out in front of our house. And some, sometimes I have elderberry syrup out there. Sometimes I don't, but it, whatever. But so the time that she actually, I didn't have it out front, but she knocked on the door and asked, and I did have some, but so we ended up talking and, and she kind of shared her story with me and she's like, you know, I've been buying now from you for about six months. And maybe a little less than that, but, um, and she's like, I have to tell you, I have cancer. I'm going through chemotherapy. This has changed my life. And I am not telling this story in any way 
to promote or any, I mean, it's just not me. I'm just not that guy. Right. Because mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. I just don't know what, I don't know the science behind stuff like this. Um, and I don't, even if I did, the words are too big for me to even know what they mean. So it's just like, I don't know. But like this woman is telling me, she's like, and this is not a one-off, right? So it's when you start to hear things and she's like, Russell, like, man, I, I, I feel night and day different before and after of taking elderberry syrup. Yep. And she's like, and she was just thanking me really. And that is not a one-off story, Right. Time and time and time again, people are like telling me stories like this, Lyme disease, all sorts of different stuff. And it's like, I tell my wife, I'm like, again, I just grow the stuff. I'm just a farmer. I, I, I'm growing it because I believe it. We do take it every day, right? When, when we have it in stock and I generally keep a little stash away for us. But so when I, we do take it every day, so we do believe in it. But it's like, when you start to hear stories like that, it's like, man, I don't even know the science behind it, but I know what people are telling me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I well, don't even need to know the science behind it. I, I understand why there's like, we have to be careful about what we say. Right. Because somebody will believe it. it and I'm not trying, I, I, I'm not saying that I hate pharmaceutical medicine. Oh, sure. It's absolutely. There's a time and a place yeah. where a pharmaceutical intervention needs to happen. I just had a patient a couple of weeks ago. I sent him to the emergency room. I'm like, I cannot help you. You need a yeah. blood transfusion. Right. You need emergency medicine. So I am not going to say that by any means, but to, to keep well and stay well, drugs is not the answer. It yeah, never has right. been. And chemicals are not the answer for, right. for being well. Yeah. What I think <laughs> that is unfortunate is we live in this kind of weird litigious world that, uh, you have to be almost hesitant to say what you feel yeah. where it's like, Hey, I don't know how this thing works. Yeah. But I know there's something special in this yeah. this fruit that God made. That that's where my that's where I'm at. This right? is I don't know how this works, <laughs> right. but holy smokes, there is something special about right. this. And hopefully I can come along and I get to yeah. I get to add a little bit more long words. Yeah, I mean that's I'll put it. some twelve dollar words in there. It's like we'll we'll grow the stuff. We're gonna keep it organic and stuff, and we're gonna grow the best elderberries and we'll grow the best honey we can. But if you want somebody to talk to you about the the why behind it, come you, come see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you send them down my way. Oh, yeah. Russell, I but, can't tell you. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to do this. Yeah, this, this is fun. It was, this flew by. I think we could have kept going. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I, was, uh, I was talking to my wife as I was walking out the door. I was like, here we go. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but here we go. And it's been a fun time. Well, I'll make sure that I get you a link to this podcast. So if cool. you, you got people at the Bar Street Market that, that need a little edification, you there can you just, go. You just send them over here. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks. Yeah, bye.